Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now, your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whitey, on News Talk 1590 KBTA. Good morning, Ventura! Wow, this is a pretty special uh, Sunday here. There's something really important I have to tell you about today. I'm not quite sure how to break it to you. Um... How exactly do I put this? I'm not even sure I, I, I know how to confess this to you today because I know how many loyal listeners we have, how many people get into our show every Sunday morning before church and all you folks here on Sunday morning. I, I have something I have to get off my chest to you. Yeah, it uh, sounds like you're trying to keep a secret from the Fonz. Uh, <laughs> that makes me feel like you're, you're not a true friend. Okay, well, here it is. This is our last Sunday, but don't be disappointed. This is our last Sunday. Go get the handkerchief. Let it all out. We are moving. Straight Talk Wealth Radio is moving to actually a more listened to spot, an easier spot, a spot where you don't have to run into church and miss miss the second half of the show because starting next Saturday, December 5th, We're going to be on Saturdays on KVTA, Saturdays at 9 a.m., a little bit uh, easier time to catch us. And um, we actually know that there's a lot more listeners at that time. We're getting a prime spot. The good news is we're getting a prime spot on KVTA every Saturday at 9 a.m. So fix your calendars, move that dial preset it all and um we're going to be on every saturday morning 9 a.m on kvta starting next week on december 5th that's it thought it was something important well listen you know that's a matter of opinion i guess but i have a great show for you today we are opening up a whole body of new stuff for you uh, that I'm going to get in, into today. We're going to just kind of crack it open today. It is going to be the subject of our future shows. A fantastic interview that I did recently with a very high-end person in government who has been working on the budget, working on the debt and the deficit tirelessly for decades, who's been working. There's nobody more knowledgeable you could have about the state of Social Security, the state about Medicare, about how broke and how fast is the country going. So we're going to talk about him in a minute. I also have a whole new body of research done by Harry S. Dent that we're going to start to work with uh, about the great gold bust ahead. Yeah, you heard me right. The great gold bust ahead, not boom. But Harry is tired of hearing about it, tired of hearing all the questions about, are we going to lose our monetary system and go to gold, which I understand the concerns about it, and so does he. But he's written a new book, booklet, it's about 50 pages, 
all about the topic, all about it. We're going to be giving that away today to listeners that call in. So you get Harry Dent's new book called uh, The Great Gold Bust Ahead. We're going to be doing future shows on it. I'm going to be doing several live events in the area about it. And I have a whole new roster of live events that we're going to do about a whole bunch of new stuff. So 2016 is going to be an incredible year for Straight Talk Wealth Radio. Uh, we want you to share it with us. We want to uh, you know, share the research I'm doing. I, I love, you know, there's such a privilege to be able to delve into these subjects, do my homework, do my research and distill it to you and know that we have people that, that, uh, feel that this is an advantage and a service for them and, uh, are routinely coming to our events. So anyone can tell you our events are not a big sales job. There's no closing. We don't sell stuff. Certainly it's a great, uh, you know, promotional activity for us and public relations to do these events. But they are educational first and foremost, as is our show. So anyway, um, let me uh, tell you a little bit about. Two, so today we're covering two things. We're covering my talk with David M. Walker. David M. Walker is the former Comptroller USA. That's the top CPA of the United States of America. He was appointed by President Clinton. In 1998, I believe, and he served till 2008 with President Bush. So he served with both presidents, uh, very uh, apolitical in a sense, but just concerned about how the country is running itself into debt. He is also the former trustee of the Social Security and Medicare Trust. So he's the guy. He's the CPA. He's the accountant over Medicare and Social Security, or he was for the time that he was in it. Oh, gosh, he's so many accolades. Um, he has, uh, let's see, he was the de- Department of Labor oversees pensions, and he was in charge of the Department of Labor, the Deputy uh, Chief of Department of Labor, I'll get his official titles here in a minute, it's all up and down or stuff here, for uh, pensions and uh, benefits, and he was the Chief of the Pension Guarantee the Pension Benefit Guarantee Association. So that's the government-sponsored sort of insurance company, really. It's a government-sponsored insurance company that insures all pensions in the United States. So pensions in the United States have to conform to certain rules. And if they do, the government backs them up. So one day you don't get in some position where you think you're going to get a thousand dollar a month check from your company and somebody screwed the pooch and it never came. The government actually backs that. A lot of people don't know that he ran that. So this guy has been deep into the state and the condition of retirement preparedness in the United States over Medicare, social security, over the debts and the deficits, over the pension guarantee uh, benefits that we get here in this country. And I spoke with him for an hour. We're going to make two episodes out of that. Those will be new episodes coming up in December. And I, I'm i going to just sort of tease into them a bit today. So that's topic one. And topic two is going to be Harry Dent's publication on gold and the gold bus coming. So we're covering that today. And through the week, just one last emphasis. And throughout this show, I don't know when people tune in. I have to just keep saying this is a, a special springboard show to let you know that starting next week, December 5th, we are going to be Saturdays at 9 a.m. And you will probably hear this commercial running throughout the week on KVTA during the week.
For the last two years, we at Straight Talk Wealth Radio have had the audacity to disturb listeners here at KVTA every Sunday morning on their way to church. And we'd like to apologize and tell you that we are leaving you in peace. Because we're moving to Saturday 9 a.m. with the latest in economic and investing news. So exciting. It's going to wake you all up and get you going. Straight Talk Wealth. Now, Saturday's 9 a.m. Saturday's 9 a.m. Get up, get going. That, my friends, is the art of doing a 30-second spot because when you have 30 seconds, you got to get people's attention. So we'll be running that through the week. And um, I do want to stress that, uh, you know, if you can't hear our show during broadcast, you can always go to our website at straighttalkwealth.com. Makes sense. Show Straight Talk Wealth. We have straighttalkwealth.com. And there is a podcaster on the front page, on the homepage. And you can catch all of our past shows. We post them there. So that's a good way to stay up with us. If by chance Saturdays are just impossible and we hate to lose people. Another really, really, really important thing is to go to that website. If you are not on our emailing list, go to the website at straighttalkwealth.com and enter in... On the right-hand column, you're going to see subscribe to Straight Talk Wealth News. And you just enter your email address in there, and that makes sure you're on our email list. We are going to increase the news we put out through email online. We're going to go back and rework our webpage a bit to stay current on stories that we're covering. So if you hear a story on the air, uh, there could well be several extra videos and a write-up and a blog post on our website relative to that story. We're going to try to make every sort of new story that we cover on the shows also be able to be found on the website. So get on our email list, stay in touch that way. And go to financiallearninglounge.com and bookmark financiallearninglounge.com because that's where all of our events are. We're going to be adding a lot of new events in 2016. And here's a few of them. We're going to be doing an event uh, based on the work of David Walker you're going to hear today and the Peter G. Peterson Foundation, which is and several other references, actually, that David Walker gave us on people that are talking about the debt and deficit. We're going to be doing a, a complete event called the State of the Union's Finances and Your Retirement in America. So the state of the union's finances, we're going to look at the big picture of how the mismanagement of government uh, budgets and welfare programs. And by welfare, I mean the endowment programs like Social Security and Medicare, how that is going to affect your retirement and what the actual status is. Again, we're, stay tuned. We've got an interview coming with the, the top dog of all of that for several years. And he left the government because he felt that he could not affect good change within the government. You're going to hear today me questioning him on that. Why did he leave a, a post of such power? And he had to leave the government in order to make change. You'll hear that on today's show. We're going to have an event on the great gold bust ahead, uh, which is all about Harry Dent's recent work about how gold is going to go down. I don't know, 500, 400, maybe less. We will repeat our event that was very popular called Global Rumblings, uh, the, the China bubble. And we also usually cover in that headwinds for the U.S. real estate market. We're going to do certainly another installation of our, our very successful event, A Thief in the Night, Why the Next Great Stock Market Crash is Inevitable. That is usually held out at the River Ridge Golf Club with uh, my friend John Grace, who comes in and I sort of debate him on how people should say stay, say, stay safe. We got more. We've got uh, alternatives and options for long-term care. 
Uh, that's a really important event. This topic keeps coming up with people. Do I need long-term care? The insurance is so expensive. You know, what are the alternatives? How, how likely is it that I'm going to need long-term care as part of my retirement planning? And are there ways to get around using insurance for that? It's another great topic that we are compiling an entire research body on. We'll have shows on it. We'll have an event on it. I hope to, and this is a little bit maybe, but I've been talking to a really cool guy back east. His name's Barry James Dyke, and he has written several books about the corruption of mutual fund industry and of, of Wall Street. Um, and it is, t- his work is uh, under the heading of Pirates of Manhattan. And his story is about how Wall Street is completely rigged to basically pirate your money away in the long run. So he's done a lot of research on that. Um, we've developed a bit of a relationship. I'm sure I'll get an interview with him one way or another, and we'll do an event on that. And uh, I've got several other topics. I'm also considering a show that I want to do called I Hate Ken Fisher and so should you. (laughs) I'll leave that to your imagination. But let's get on with today's topic, David Walker. David Walker, let me tell you a little bit who he is and what his credentials are. So I don't have my timeline right in front of me, but one post that he has held is he was the public trustee for the Social Security and Medicare trust funds. So he was a CPA over overseeing the financial status of Medicare and Social Security. He was also the head of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Association. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, that is a government-run uh, backstop to when your pension fails. So if if companies have a pension that they've planned for their people and they follow the rules, they will get the backup of the government who's trying to support pensions for Americans that if something happens or one way or the other, the employees are guaranteed some safety net of benefits if a pension fails. So he had to run that and inspect the management of Probably, I don't know if he directly inspected it, but his his agency had to inspect the proper management of all pensions in the United States. He then was, and I'll read you here a little bit from Wikipedia. Um, so in, uh, let's see, in 1998, he was, he served as the United States Comptroller General and is, uh, he's also the founder and CEO uh, more currently of the Comeback America Initiative. But um, he was considered a potential contender for the U.S. Connecticut U.S. Senate seat that Joe Lieberman left in 2012. He chose not to run and maintain, instead maintain his status as an independent. Uh, he served comptroller from 1998 to 2008. Now, he was appointed by Bill Clinton. And while at the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, Walker undertook a number of transformational reforms within the GAO and the government that were widely recognized. Um, so you'll, you'll get, you'll get his chops when you hear him talk. So the first thing I want to do is, uh, he has a great video that came out of the Comeback America initiative, which has kind of been wrapped up and he's now doing other things and, the thing I'm going to do today is I'm not going to play for you the whole interview where we get into the actual status of Social Security and Medicare and all. That will be coming starting next week. We're going to focus on this uh, individual and what he has to say. We'll have at least two episodes on it where we will talk about the actual status of the debt and the deficits in this country. Uh, we're going to talk about 
the well-being of Social Security and Medicare. You're going to hear a, a very, very interesting angle on this regarding what is discretionary spending of Congress what versus what is mandatory. Now, um, this is a really, really crucial story because if you look at what the Constitution actually mandates that Congress spends on, those things are all discretionary. They might spend, they might not, we don't know. Things like defense, infrastructure, uh, security, education. There's no, there's no mandate on what we have to spend for those. The mandate is on these programs that have come in since the turn of the 1900s century, like Social Security and Medicare, which are mandated, must be done. And some time ago, those were about, oh, gee, maybe 13% of the uh, budget and 87% was discretionary, we're now well past the halfway mark, and it is something like 36% of the budget is discretionary, which leaves 67 that's mandatory, must be done. That's just these endowment programs and things that are pre-legislated, and that bill is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it is crowding out our bill, you have any discretionary spending. Now, we'll touch on that today, but most of that detail is going to go into next week's and the following week's show that we'll be doing with David Walker while I air the interview. Now, if you want to jumpstart, here's today's giveaway. If you want to jumpstart, here's what I'm giving away. I'm going to, if you call 888-882-5578 today, call in the number 888-882-5578. Our whole interview uh, outside of the show, if you want to hear the interview uncut without any interruptions about the show and my comments and all of that, you just want to hear the phone conversation I had with them from one hour, we'll send you a CD of it. You'll need to call 888-882-5578. That's free. 888-882-5578. We'll just send you the CD. So if you listen to this today and you want to hear the whole conversation on CD and you don't want to wait a couple weeks for me to get through it all on the show, let's just get you the CD right now. 888-882-5578. You do need to leave your full contact information with the operator. And like I say, leave the email address. That's how you're going to stay in touch with us and hear what else we're doing. But we'll need a mailing address as well to send you the CD in the mail. And you know what? We haven't gotten to this yet, but by the end of the show, we're going to get a little bit into Harry Dent's new publication called The Great Gold Bust Ahead. Uh, we'll send that to you as well. I would prefer to email it to you because it is a digital copy, but we could print it out if you absolutely have no email. I'll send you both of those. My full, complete, uncut interview with David M. Walker, you're going to hear today, and Harry Dent's new short book called The Great Gold Bust Ahead. If you call 888-882-5578, you must call by the end of the hour. So you've got to call while we're on the air or slightly a little bit after. 888-882-5578. We'll give you those goodies for free today. 888-882-5578. Okay, first thing I want to do on David Walker is uh, I want to talk. And by the way, you're listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. This is our last Sunday show. We will be on Saturdays at 9 a.m. from here on out. So if you're listening to the show or regular and you just tuned in, you didn't hear the intro, this is our last Sunday show. We will be moving on to every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on KVTA. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you the start of a video that David Walker has on YouTube right now that is called Understanding the Debt Problem. This is part of about a five-video set series that he did, but I'm going to go through this. Now, the problem is it is a video. There's some charts and graphs he's showing you. I'm going to narrate over the top of it. I might imp- 
interrupt it from time to time just to tell you what the visual is. And I'm doing this just so that this is a quick set of the scene of where we are, what his concerns are about the debts and the deficits. Um, very distinguished gentleman, worked very high at the top of the government on these issues. Uh, and then we will get into my personal interview with him, which is kind of a little more current. This video is from 2013, so it's a few, couple years old. But uh, you got to go to YouTube and look him up. We'll try to get it up on our website because uh, we want to have that available for you there as well. But let's take a listen to what his concerns are. I'm going to talk over the top of this to give you the visuals as needed. What I'd like to do is to take a few minutes to provide you with the facts about where we've been, where we are, and where the U.S. is headed, both financially and fiscally. This chart represents federal spending adjusted for inflation since 1912. In 1912, the U.S. government was 2% of the U.S. economy. Last year, it was 23% of the economy. Well, you can imagine that visual. That's a graph that starts out at a little tiny point in 1912 at 2% of the economy, and federal spending is now more than 11 times bigger. So the federal government is almost 12 times bigger today as a percentage of the economy than it was in 1912. And revenues have not kept up with expenses, especially recently. This shows years with Republican presidents in red and Democratic presidents in blue. As you can see, spending is a bipartisan problem. And it's been particularly out of control since 2003. Since 2003, we've had presidents from both major political parties, and the Congress has been controlled by both major political parties. The truth is, there's not a party of fiscal responsibility. There are people who are, there's just not enough of them. This is how we spent money last year in Washington, D.C. Number one is Social Security, including retirement, disability, and survivor's insurance. Number two is health care cost for Medicare and Medicaid. And number three is national defense. Note that contrary to popular belief, international and foreign affairs was only about 1.5% of the budget. So this is the pie chart that's showing up here, and I'll just read you the numbers. Social Security says where the money goes. Social Security is about 20.4%. Social Security is around 20% of the budget. Medicare is 12.6% of the budget, when Medicaid is 6.7% of the budget. So that's about another 19%. So you now have about 40% of the budget between Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. Defense is 187 So that's uh, equal, not even as much as Social Security, National Defense. International and Foreign Affairs, 1.5% in that little pie chart. Other discretionary spending. Now, keep in mind, we're going to talk about this in later interviews. Discretionary versus mandatory spending. We went into that in depth in my interview. Other discretionary is 14.6%. And other mandatory spending is... 19.7%. The net interest, the net interest on the debt right now is 5.9% of the total federal budget. So I'm not saying the interest rate is 5.9. I'm saying that of the total budget, 5.9% goes to interest. Now it segues at this point to a second pie chart, second set of pie charts. And these pie charts show that in 1912, 3% of the of the national budget was on autopilot and 97% was controlled by the discretion of congress at that time by 2012 which is 100 years later 1912 to 2012 
64% of the federal budget is no longer controlled by Congress. It's automatic. It's on autopilot. 64% of the budget. Congress is only arguing and changing 36% of the entire budget that is discretionary at all. So he's got a couple pie charts show that difference. He's going to talk about that right now. In 1912, the Congress controlled 97% of federal spending. The only thing that it did not control was interest expense. Last year, it only controlled 36%. Of that part, which the so-called sequester is forcing downward, it includes all of the express and enumerated responsibilities of the federal government under the Constitution, all investments in our future, and all investments in young people. That approach is not a prescription for prosperity. If you use honest and comparable accounting to compare us to Europe, you would add federal, state, and local debt as a percentage of the economy. By doing so, you will find there is only one country in Europe that has a higher percentage of debt to GDP than us today, and that's Greece. And we don't want to follow Greece's lead. So who owns our public debt? China and Japan are the largest foreign holders, together with OPEC nations, but the largest single holder is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve purchased about 80% of new U.S. debt in 2011 and over a third of new debt in 2012. The Federal Reserve is also the only major player purchasing long-term U.S. debt. Stated differently, we are self-dealing in our own debt. So I don't think a lot of people get that, which is that, you know, we're worried about China not buying our debt. Well, there's foreign holders of debt, and that that is substantial, but it's not as substantial as the Federal Reserve printing money and buying the debt of the United States Congress. So this is crucial because, you know, we keep having this conversation over and over again with a lot of people that we meet off air that come to us as a result of the show. And there is this doubt right now that, you know, you guys say these things can't go on, but things are looking pretty good. They're pretty rosy. And it just seems like the Fed can always pull a rabbit out of her hat or the government can make things all better. So this is a crucial thing to realize is what David Walker saying is part of this scene that cannot go on is that the left hand buys the debt of the right hand. And it's a very circular thing. And At the end of the day, uh, something's going to have to give. And that is a much bigger threat to the security and the stability of our economy than worrying about what China is going to come after us about. China has got their own problems, and they are much bigger. And for every 1% future increase in interest rates on federal debt, interest costs will go up over $160 billion a year. And what do you get for interest? As we say in the South, Shinola, nothing. Now, you're probably familiar with the national debt clock. It's currently over $16 trillion, up from $5.6 trillion in 2000. But it lowballs the problem. When you consider unfunded civilian and military pensions and retiree health care, unfunded Social Security and Medicare promises, and various other commitments and contingencies, and these numbers are all there in official financial statements of the U.S. government. And when you then use a simple principle called math, in the year 2000, The federal sinkhole totaled $20.4 trillion. At the end of last year, it was up to about $70 trillion and going up about $8.2 million a minute, $14.4 billion a day, $80 billion a week, and over $4 trillion a year. So the problem is a lot bigger than the politicians admit. The sinkhole is getting deeper very rapidly by doing nothing, and Washington has become very adept at doing nothing. Hopefully, this will give us a greater sense of urgency to act, even more than the national debt clock. 
So what he's saying here is there is a thing, it's called the National Debt Clock. It's posted somewhere, I think, in New York City on a light bulb thing, and people refer to the National Debt Clock. That typically shows how much we owe that we just spent. It's what we're spending that we don't have that we borrowed. But he's saying there's a greater scene, and that is what we've promised that we haven't funded. And if we look at future promises and what has not been funded, that is up to about $70 trillion. Now, he's also going to say here that that includes the expectation of the growth of that debt and several things that will occur because of the time value of money of not paying it. If we act soon, we can actually reduce that. So that's not a solid amount we have to pay right now. That's just what we'll have to pay and what we'll have to come up with if we don't handle it. If we handle it earlier, we can dramatically begin to knock it down by reversing the time value of debt and money. But right now, it's a promise. It's a debt that's coming up that has nothing put towards it whatsoever. And the real numbers are somewhere around 70 to $80 trillion that this country owes currently between what it's promised and what it's already spent. And by the way, if you even envisioned a trillion dollars, this is an unfathomable amount. You can't, you can't even envision it's, it's, what is that? Dollar bills to the sun and back $18 trillion or $70 trillion. It's an unbelievable amount. So, uh, again, I guess the government will just make it all better and, you know, happy times. And, uh, you know, they can just keep printing that money. It all works. Doesn't it? it there's a saying debt works until it doesn't. And you know that personally. If you can keep getting the next credit card, you can make debt work. But the day you can't get the next credit card and the day you miss your payments, it all comes crashing to an end. Importantly, this $70 trillion number could be reduced by tens of trillions of dollars, even if the reforms are phased in over time, because it's a discounted present value of future cash flows. Therefore, the sooner we make real changes, the better. But what if we don't act? This is what the future looks like for our annual budget if we go back to taxing at historical levels of 18% of our economy, which we're expected to return to by 2014, if we don't reform Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, if we charge the difference to the credit card, and if interest rates don't go out of sight. So what you're seeing on that chart is you're seeing 2012 expenditures, 20. 20, 20, 30, 20, 40, and the expenditures grow. Uh, the, the amount of money the federal government is, is part of the total gross domestic product. The federal government becomes 35% of GDP. 35%. It used to be 2%. A hundred years ago, it is going to be 35% of everything the country produces is what's given out or spent by the government. And it shows that the revenue stream he's des- describing only gets about half of that covered. So every year, that much GDP, which is being responsible which is being held by the government or generated by the government, is only covered by revenues that pay for half of it. The fastest growing expense, interest, for which we get Shinola. The second fastest growing expense is health care, which we have to do something about or we can't solve the problem. And the longer we wait, the worse the problem gets. So it's prudent to act sooner rather than later because time is working against us. If we don't fix these problems, 
Here's what happens to debt as a percentage of the economy. Only one time in the history of the United States have we had public debt over 100% of the economy, and that was World War II. But we got something for World War II. We defeated the Axis powers, we saved the free world, and after World War II, we were over 50% of the global economy, the dollar was as good as gold, and we had 16 persons working for every person retired on Social Security. The U.S. grew dramatically, and we did not pay off a dime of debt, but public debt as a percentage of the economy went down to 26.1% in 1980. So what what you're seeing there is a chart that shows that during World War II, our debt was 100% of the annual gross domestic product of the country. We had borrowed that much. But then it plummets after World War II. We didn't actually pay it off. What we did is we increased production so much that we over-increased the amount of debt, and debt dropped to about 23% of the gross domestic product. So our product, but it was different times. We're talking, you know, the World War, we, the world was destroyed in World War II. We were the powerhouse engine of the global economy and remain so since then. But that basically got the, the, the percentage of public debt to GDP bottoms out around the late 70s and 80s and then dramatically starts to climb again. And that's where we didn't produce our way. We started to borrow our way and we borrowed and borrowed and borrowed and there wasn't a war. And there wasn't an economic scene at the end of that war that we are going to prosper so much that we're going to return to that. You know, this idea that if we simply lower taxes, everything will grow its way out is not true demographically. I hate to say, um, you know, I, I don't get me conservative, liberal, whatever, but some of my conservative friends, I have to tell you, it is a mistake to think that just because we lower taxes will grow our way out of any problem. We now have something so deeply entrenched that, uh, we're, we're, we're having to look at seriously cutting back spending and raising revenues because we don't have an organic way to just produce the economy back up against such a higher level that the jet, the debt becomes insignificant again. We're not there and it ain't going to happen. But we lost financial control in 2003. And now we're headed for third world nation status on debt as a percentage of the economy if we don't change direction. Okay, we are going to get into my personal one-on-one interview with David M. Walker, former Comptroller USA from 1998 to 2008. He is a foremost spokesman in balancing the budget. And we're in our interview, which you're going to hear for the next few weeks, we will be talking about the status of Medicare. We'll be talking about the status of Social Security. You're hearing it from the guy that used to run those trust funds. And you're going to hear some scary news. And by the way, uh, you first of all, You can have the whole, right now you can order the whole interview uncut, no commercials, no interruptions. If you just call 888-882-5578, it's about a one hour CD. I'll send it out to you for free. 888-882-5578. We'll get you that for no charge today. Uh, just for listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. This is our last Sunday on KVTA. We're moving to Saturday at 9 a.m. And I have to tell you, in this interview, I asked David Walker, what is 
is the current state of the union's finances? Why can't the Federal Reserve just play God forever? Let's assume we don't change that. How will things be different for the next generation? I asked David Walker, what's the actual status of Social Security? How healthy or healthy or unhealthy is it? What about health care and Medicare? Uh, what do we have to do to fix Social Security? And how do we cure health care? How do we collect more revenue more fairly? How do we get control of the Pentagon, transform and fix our dysfunctional democracy? And how unprepared do we know that the baby boom generation is for coming into retirement? Now, these numbers should scare you. And uh, you're going to hear about some things that uh, are from a different angle. It's not a Harry Dent thing. We're not talking about the investment aspect. We're talking about the mismanagement of the country's finances and how they will affect America. And by the way, when you hear that interview with David Walker, uh, you're going to hear what his retirement plan is. You're going to hear in that interview, he laid out for me exactly how he's going to retire and what he's planning. I mean, like he told me his portfolio. And by the way, it's very similar to Ben Bernanke's portfolio, we happen to know. So you'll get that when you hear the interview. Uh, call the number, 888-882-5578. Leave your full contact information. As I say, we are shifting times. We're going to carry more of these stories. You, If you miss things, you'll get them by email. So give the operator your email. Uh, give us your mailing address so we can get the CD out to you. And uh, it will well be worth it, you know, and uh, you'll get a lot of great information and stay in touch. So, uh, again, I want to emphasize this is our last Sunday on KVTA. We will be moving to Saturdays on KVTA at 9 a.m. Mark your calendar. Saturday at 9 a.m. We'll be moving. But today you are listening to the beginning of our series on David M. Walker, former Comptroller USA, my personal interview with him. And I'm going to try to get to the great gold bust ahead by Harry Dent. Uh, at the end of this, I don't know if we're going to, I think we're going to run out of time here because of my David Walker material, but, uh, we'll pick that up in future, uh, episodes. And the meanwhile, I'll send you the ebook when you call in to 888 Harry Dent's new ebook, The Great Gold Bust Ahead. Call 888 Let's get into my, uh, one-on-one interview with David Walker. Now, today, all you're really going to hear about on in the interview is a couple of key points. I asked him how he got to such a powerful point in government and why he left the government when he could have done so much. And then the second question I'm just asking is, aren't we all crying wolf? Isn't doesn't it can't, you know, the Fed just play God forever. So we're not going in this interview to get into the statistics and the current status of Social Security and Medicare and uh, the federal debt and deficit. But I just wanted to in this episode we're doing today, talk about why a guy gets to such power in the government and then leaves it when he cares so much about these issues and whether maybe he's just alarming us a little bit needlessly. All right. So, Mr. Walker, you have quite a distinguished career in in many things, but I think the most salient points are here. You've been the public trustee for Social Security and Medicare. So when everybody wants to go, what is going on there? You were the accountant at the end of it that would know more intimately than probably anybody else, at least in those days, at the end of the day, what the actual state of those endowment programs are. Uh, you were the assistant secretary for labor, for pension and welfare benefits, and the former head of the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. So uh, you are right on the line of where, you know, how well protected. I mean, I can't think of anybody more qualified to tell us from so many angles, how well protected our retirements are, how well protected our benefits are, and the well-being of, of, a, re- of a generation going into retirement. 
So we'll talk more later about the state of things, but what I'm what I'm curious about is those are very powerful and effective. It uh, seems like, you know, uh, so often citizens think if we can just get these clowns in D.C. to realize this or realize that. And you were in D.C. at, DC, at, at the top of the organizational chart. So why did you leave? We're going to go back to the state of affairs. But why did you leave such a, a potent and what seems like if, if you ever wanted to get somewhere to do something, you were there. Why did you leave that? when you really care so much about these issues? Well, I've had uh, the good fortune of having a number of positions in government. I was in the Reagan administration where I was number two, then number one at the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. I was number two and then number one at the Employee Benefit Security Administration. And then after I went back to the private sector, I was a trustee of Social Security and Medicare for five years, which is a very important job, but uh, but a part-time job. Uh, and then I was Comptroller General of the United States. I had a 15-year term. I left after about 10 years, and, and the reason I left was because when I took the job uh, in 1998, I had established three major goals for myself, and I had accomplished two of the three goals, and the third goal was one that I came with the realization that I was not going to be able to, to accomplish in that job, and specifically, uh, I was wanting to not only try to help wake up policymakers and the American public about the need to put our finances in order, but also to show a way forward. And when you're the Comptroller General, which is like Auditor General, Chief Accountability Officer, you're allowed to talk about the problem, but you're not allowed to talk about solutions. You're not allowed to talk about how should we reform the tax laws, how should we reform Social Security and Medicare, how do we end up dealing with uh, the Affordable Care Act, what do we need to do with regard to tax policy and defense spending. And so my view was, is I accomplished everything that I could accomplish in that position, and I need to go out in order to be in a position to to start talking about solutions. I'm incredulous with that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm astounded with that. So it's just, it's amazing that that box would exist, that someone would be in government who would be trusted to assess a situation, to delineate a situation, to enlighten their superiors on the situation and be kept in that box. I, I, I'm incredulous. It seems like a story in of itself of what is wrong with government that when you ask someone to analyze and report and give you the full picture, you then put them back in a cage and let them say no more. It's really that severe? When you're Comptroller General of the United States, you're head of something called the U.S. Government Accountability Office, the GAO. And the GAO works for the Congress and the American people. It's not part of the executive branch. It's part of the legislative branch. And while GAO makes very aggressive recommendations to the executive branch about how to improve economy, efficiency, effectiveness, enhance safety, security, uh, you know, protect privacy. Uh, when you're when you're trying to deal with the Congress, which is your client, uh, there is, rightly or wrongly, a limit as to how far the client will let you go. Now, don't get me wrong. I was not a shy, retiring guy. Uh, I <laughs> no, spoke, you weren't. I spoke out, no, I spoke out clear, concise, and compelling fashion. Uh, and, you know, Congress did listen. Uh, there's no question about it. But what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to put the agency at risk of potential retribution uh, through its budget uh, if there were some in Congress that didn't like the fact that I was basically saying, uh, Congress, you're not doing your job. It's time to get to work. Do you, do you feel you've gotten more done in the private sector in terms of moving the dial? Well, what I clearly have been able to do is I've been able to help wake up the American people to the fact that, you know, our finances are much worse than a lot of the politicians want to admit. 
that you know you can't spend more money than you make, charge it to the credit card, self-deal in your own debt, uh, artificially manipulate interest rates, and not expect to have some day of reckoning down the road. The good news is is that you know deficits have come down from. $1.4 trillion in 2009 to about $450 billion in 2015. Uh, you know, and that's obviously better. At the same point in time, Congress and the President have failed so far to deal with what ultimately has to be done. And that is, you've got to do comprehensive tax reform. You've got to reform Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. You've got to reform the Affordable Care Act. You have to do comprehensive tax reform. You have to rationalize defense spending in a way that will enhance our security while eliminating a tremendous amount of waste. Those are a number of things that have to be done, including separating the wheat from the chaff between which government programs work and which ones don't, mm -hmm. and which ones ought to be done at the state or local level versus the federal level. Well, we're going to get to those fixes in just a little bit, but let's go back to the beginning here, which is in Comeback America, which I believe uh, was about 2008, was that? When 2010. That, 2010 when that came out. Uh, you delineated the fact that the country is in the hole $56 trillion, and that is... No, don't try to adjust your radio. Uh, that is just uh, where we'll be leading. If you listen next week, we're going to go into the details of all of this. But you are listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. This is uh, we are normally here Sunday at 8 a.m., but no longer. It's our last show Sunday at 8 a.m. We will be moving to Saturday morning, 9 a.m., same station. Uh, and I'll be on Spence's show here, uh, later in the week. And we'll, we'll, I think Wednesday morning I'm on the show and we'll cover that on Spence's show. And, um, listen, we've got a, some good commercials coming up. That'll remind you they're very rude, very awakening for a, a 30 second spot, but we are doing a very significant series right now. And we'll continue this next week on David M. Walker, former comptroller, top USA, top CPA of the country. And we're talking about the, the state of the union's finances, what it matters when it comes to funding social security. Will it be in trouble? Will you get your benefits? Medicare, will you get your benefits? And what is all of this going to do to retirement in America? And you know what? If you don't want to wait to hear the whole interview, we'll give it to you on a CD right now for free. You got to call 888-882-5578, 888 882-5578 will send you the complete uncut version one hour of my interview with David M. Walker, former comptroller USA uh, and freedom fighter for a balanced budget. Um, you'll hear the whole interview and we go into a lot of great stuff on this. We cover what's the current state of the union's finances. Why can't the Federal Reserve just play God forever? Let's assume we don't change this. What's the next generation going to be dealing with? What's the actual status on Social Security and Medicare? How do we fix these things? How do we collect more tax revenue more fairly? How do we get control of all these things? Uh, these numbers should concern you greatly and you need to be aware of these issues because uh, if they ain't going to affect you... And you duck that bullet, they will affect your children. And you'd be kind to at least hand them the CD and tell them they ought to listen to this interview as well. So you can have the full one hour I spent with them by calling 
I will also send you by email Harry Dent's uh, latest book, which is called The Great Gold Bust Ahead. He is telling you that gold is going to plummet in value and all the reasons why. And we will pick up on that. I was going to read from it today. I won't have time, but uh, you're going to get some great goodies. And listen, stay tuned to Straight Talk Wealth Radio when we make our move to the new time slot because we have a lot of great events we're going to be holding in 2016. And you want to be listening and watching and paying attention. We're going to do an event on the State of the Union's finances and your retirement benefits. We're going to do the great Gold Bust Ahead, an event on that. We're going to do another event again on global rumblings, China's implosion, and headwinds for the U.S. real estate market. We're going to repeat our successful event on Saturdays, A Thief in the Night, Why the Next Great Stock Market Crash is Inevitable by 2020. I'm going to be creating a new event called Alternatives and Options for Long-Term Care, and we will talk about how many people really need to be concerned about long-term care and how can you provide for that without throwing a bunch of money down the drain if you don't need it. We're going to talk about The Pirates of Manhattan by author Barry James Dyke. And like I said, I'm kind of in my hip pocket doing a little homework on a show that I would like to call I Hate Ken Fisher and So Should You. And I will say no more. I'll let you read into that. Let's go into my final segment here where I ask David Walker uh, whether he's just crying wolf and maybe the government could fix all this and why can't the Fed just keep pumping money forever? All right. I'm going to want to again explore a little bit and have you tell us a little bit about the state of the uh, endowments. But I just want to indicate we've been hearing, and I'm going to play the skeptic for a minute here. We've been hearing about the pending financial implosion or crisis for years now. People have been screaming about quantitative easing ending up in only increasing debt. But they also ask if the government spending If government spending improves our lives and promotes economic growth, what does it matter if we have a deficit? So now uh, we've been warning our listeners about this for years, that the crisis is just around the corner. But quite frankly, it gets a little frustrating, and I I hate to say it because it it doesn't seem to come. It seems like spending brings about prosperity that keeps us going, and uh, what we do have of a forward vision of heading off a crisis sort of go turns into a, it just seems like this game can go on forever and it's so well masked. So this may sound elementary, but why can't the federal reserve just play God forever and keep interest rates at zero forever? And why can't this game just go on? Because they've been doing a darn good job of making uh, us on the show here sometimes look like we're just crying wolf. Why can't this go on forever? Well, frankly, there's not a whole lot of people that predicted uh, the last market meltdown uh, and and the uh, you know the financial institutions crash. Uh, sometimes you don't know you're in a crisis uh, until it's at your doorstep. Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is we're living in extraordinary times. Fiscal policy is imprudent and unsustainable. Monetary policy is imprudent and unsustainable. Uh, and if it's unsustainable, it means at some point in time it will break. Only God knows when. And God's not telling us. I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, we've got, you know, a, a situation where we're the largest economy on earth. Uh, we're the temporary sole superpower. Uh, we have the largest reserve currency in the world. And that's good news and bad news. That means that we have more flexibility. But it also means that we have more of a responsibility to act prudently, which we're not doing. The fact is, if people lose confidence in the dollar, 
mm-hmm. and the ability of the U.S. government to put its finances in order and to, and, and to avoid crisis management, which we've been doing all too frequently with regard to the debt ceiling, with regard to the budget, with regard to a variety of matters, we will see a sudden adverse uh, impact on the United States and its citizens. And the whole idea is it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way. And with some leadership and some tough choices that are phased in over time, our future can be better than our past. And our best years can be ahead of us. Well, that's very encouraging. So I, I don't want to bring anyone down, but I do want to look at the at the consequences. So let's assume we don't change this. Mm-hmm. How will it begin to change us and our way of life? And how will life be different? If we continue on this course, how will life be different than the next generation and the net for the next generation and the next well, in this I think country? First you have to understand not all spending is good and not all spending makes a difference. Uh, and while the government can do things that can help economic growth in the short term, uh, you know, when, when there's a recession or, or help, you know, help to help the economy in the short mm-hmm. term when there's a recession. And while I can do things to try to invest in basic research, uh, and, and other items that can help improve economic growth and create opportunities, as we talked about before, we've been cutting back on those kinds of investments. All right. Because so they're the discretionary and because mandatory is going out of control. Correct. Yeah. The government is spending too much on consumption and not enough on investment. Uh, it's promised too much to too many people, and it subsidizes too many people that are relatively well off, including in the healthcare area. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to provide a basic and essential level of healthcare coverage to everybody and to subsidize those that are at or near the poverty level. It's another thing to provide something that's much more generous than basic and essential and to subsidize virtually everybody, which is the typical model of the federal government uh, and one of the reasons it's on an unsustainable path. Okay. We are listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio, and we are hearing Mr. David Walker, who is the former top CPA of the United States, otherwise known as the Comptroller General, the head of the General Accountability Office, that when Congress or the government wants to know, what do these numbers look like for such and such? How effective has something been? What is the cost consideration versus return of such and such? It is prepared by the General Accountability Office. Uh, when Congress wants to know this, that works. They work for Congress, and under the guidance of the Comptroller USA, Mr. David Walker, from 1998 to 2008. Uh, so, listen. Um, you want to hear the whole interview? Want to get all the goods? Uh, you can order that right now from Straight Talk Wealth Radio. The number is triple eight 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 two five five seven eight triple eight. 882-5578. I have the entire interview, one hour on CD. I'm happy to send it to you. We are also going to include, I'll see if I can read an excerpt here on our way out, uh, the new book by Harry Dent. You're going to get an e-copy of that, an electronic copy. If you absolutely don't have an email address, we will print that and send it out to you. It is The Great Gold Bust Ahead. 
And uh, Harry makes quite some predictions on this. Now, you know, if you've listened to this show, in fact, let me just tell you the chapters in this book. The chapters are, the, the introduction is called The Emotion of Gold. Chapter one, the shocking truth about the coming gold bust. Chapter two, how gold reacts when there's no inflation. Chapter three, why deflation defeats the gold hype. Chapter four, how the commodity cycle affects the price of gold. Chapter five, why gold melts in a stock market or economic crisis. Chapter six, why the U.S. dollar is a better investment today than gold. And chapter seven, three safe havens for the gold bust. Now, if this greatly upsets you to hear him say that, then I would refer you to simply read the introduction called The Emotion of Gold, because it is a bizarrely emotional subject. Yes, we all believe that the country is going to run into a crisis, but you have to understand it will be a deflationary crisis. By the way, If you call in today and you haven't received it already to help you understand this deflation, inflation aspect, which is intimately tied into the gold, I will also send you my report that I've personally written and illustrated called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. And in that report, I give you a strategy to manage both concerns within a single portfolio. Are we going to have inflation? Are we going to have deflation? They are polar opposites, exactly opposite winners and losers strategy-wise. I tell you how to manage both in a single portfolio. And I made the report so a high school sophomore can understand it. We are out of time. So listen, it's been great being with you every Sunday. Please join us again on Saturday, every Saturday at 9 a.m. on KVTA. We will continue. We're going to have an incredible 2016. Just a wonderful body of work that I've been researching and putting together for you. Lots of great events. Today, call the number, get some freebies from us. Get uh, the full CD of my interview with David Walker, Uncut, and get Harry Dent's book, The Great Gold Bust Ahead. That's at 888 See you next Saturday. Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion of financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax-free benefit specialists and insurance services. California license 0E48147. For the last two years, we at Straight Talk Wealth Radio have had the audacity to disturb listeners here at KVTA every Sunday morning on their way to church. And we'd like to apologize and tell you that we are leaving you in peace. Because we're moving to Saturday 9 a.m. with the latest in economic and investing news so it's it's going to wake y'all up and get you going. Straight Talk Well. Now, Saturday's 9 a.m. Saturday's 9 a.m. Get up, get going.